Introducing Peacock, the new free streaming service from NBC Universal. It's hit movies, current shows, live sports, trending bits, and timeless hits. And that's why you can't not watch. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Law & Order SVU streaming now. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, and I'm Brad Bannon. Uh, uh, I'm a national democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, DC, and a political analyst for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. Uh, if you want to learn more about me or my political polling company, or if you have any ideas or suggestions for Deadline DC, the best way to reach me is at Twitter. My Twitter handle is Brad Bannon. Today on Deadline DC, uh, in our first segment, we will uh, discuss voting suppression and the fight for voter rights in Congress uh, with Joshua Minkoff Zern. Then in the second half hour, Tara Devlin, the host of Tara Buster, and progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi join me on the provocative progressive political panel. Before we start the show, though, we're going to listen to this clip from the late, great Congressman John Lewis of Georgia. Some of you have heard me say that the right to vote is precious, almost sacred. Many people marched and protested for the right to vote. Some gave a little blood and others lost their lives. In my hearts of hearts, I believe that we should make it simple and convenient for all of our citizens to be part of the democratic process. It should not matter whether you're black or white, Latino, Asian American, or Native American. We should be able to participate in the democratic process. Today, our democracy is under attack. We can do better and we must do better. We have a moral obligation, a mission, and a mandate to empower all of the American people, not just a select few. We must do what is right, what is fair, and what is just. That, of course, was the late great Congressman John Lewis, the civil rights activist who became a member of Congress, a prominent member of Congress from Georgia. Our guest in this segment is Jonah Minkoff-Zern. He is co-director of Public Citizens Democracy for the People campaign. Uh, jo Jonah uh, works to build a na uh, national movement for democracy by building grassroots support nationwide to get money out of politics and ensure all voters have access to the ballot. Uh, Jonah, thanks for joining us today here on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Thanks so much for having me, Brad. 
Jonah, let's start off with this. Uh, since uh, the election last November, uh, many states have been doing everything they can to restrict uh, voting rights. Uh, I guess the uh, theory is if you can't beat them, cheat them. Uh, can you talk about the efforts in some states to make it harder for uh, minorities uh, to vote? Sure. I, and there are 361 restrictive bills in 47 states that have been introduced since the elections. Um, 361 bills. So basically, uh, what the what the GOP has recognized is is if they're if they're going to win, they have to stop someone from voting. They have to stop people from voting, or that's their strategy here. They think if they uh, rather than trying to appeal to the masses, rather than trying to understand what the American people need or care about, their strategy is to stop some people from voting, predominantly voters of color and young people from voting and to pass these suppressive bills like they've been successful in doing in states like Florida, Texas, and, uh, and Georgia to, to get in the way, to stop people, to put up barriers to voting. Um, and I think it's also just indicative of the moment that we're in. There's a, one of my favorite quotes is from Mahatma Gandhi. He says, when you speak the truth, at first they ignore you, then they ridicule you, then they violently oppose you, then you win. So I think we're in the stage of, of being, you know, in essence, violently opposed, the vote, um, by these Republican leaders who, who are scared of what the vote means to them. And we're also in a place where if we fight, then we can win. Yeah, it's uh, very sad, uh, you know, just an editorial comment on my part. When you're a political party like the Republicans and you're sold political strategy is to stop other people from voting. Uh, that's not a good sign uh, for a party in a democracy, but that's just uh, my opinion. Uh, well, you've outlined the problems uh, that are uh, facing uh, minority voters. Uh, what's the solution? Well, we have to we have to take action on a federal level. And, I, and you know, the other parallel problem or there are a few of them, but one of the other major ones is big money in the political system. Um, a report came out that a dozen billionaire donors have spent eight percent of all the election spending in the last 10 years. And I and that how many that, billionaire donors? I believe it's 12. I actually have to, to check on that side. Twelve donors. Has wow. been eight percent, and that's and that's just a you know the tip of the iceberg. If you start looking at all the contributions, what a small percent of Americans um, are controlling so much of the political process. And when you look to get something done, one of the first things you do is look at who contributes to the elected official as someone who can influence them. It's pretty obvious the path to power. So so at one hand you have. Republicans and and we're a nonpartisan organization. So when I say Republicans are trying to suppress the vote, it, it's a factual thing. Republican legislators are are working to suppress the vote. And on the other hand, you have billionaires and big business spending billions of dollars to buy control of our electoral process. And then you have redistricting, where again, this is Republican legislators who are trying to draw the maps so they can have more control in Congress. So so we have to fight these things. And, and we are while the attacks are taking place on the state level, we can beat back the beat these things back by passing federal legislation. Um, and that's what we need to do. OK, well, since you brought the subject up of money in politics uh, about a month and a half ago, 
we had one of your colleagues on the show, Craig Holman, to talk about the For the People Act. Uh, could you uh, briefly, before we get on to voting rights, could you talk about uh, the For the People Act and what it's intended to do? Uh, I believe it's been already passed by the House. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the For the People Act is at the root of what we're working on here. Um, For the People Act is kind of the sword, and then there's the shield. So the For the People Act is the sword. We can pass sweeping the sweeping democracy legislation, once-in-a-generation legislation, um, that would both um, protect voting rights by by uh, having early-day, mandatory early voting, uh, same-day registration, automatic voter registration, restoring the vote to people who have felonies, um, providing, uh, provi- making sure that there's universal access to the polls around the country so that these, this legislation that is aimed at attacking these things can't happen. Um, so that is a big piece of the For the People Act. Another big piece is, is uh, addressing big money in politics. So it's requiring disclosure of campaign contributions. And then another big piece is, is, in, or is providing for small donor matching funds. So if I, as a small donor, because I'm not one of those billionaires, not, not, not even close, um, but all of a sudden, if my small you know, $25 contribution is matched six times, like it is in New York City and New York State, about to be in New York State, um, it, if it's matched six times, then all of a sudden, my contribution becomes a valuable one, uh, which is what this would do. It'd be small donor matching funds. Um, so, so when that happens, elected officials can run their campaigns like they do in New York with things like town halls and reaching out to small donors. They don't have to spend all their time chasing these mega donors and major contributions. So the For the People Act does that. And then it also establishes independent redistricting commissions. So instead of the gerrymandering that the Supreme Court has protected, um, and and a lot of these things are are in fighting back against these egregious Supreme Court rulings, um, like Citizens United, um, so another thing is the Supreme Court has said that that Republicans can intentionally uh, redistrict the state to to gerrymander it so they win more seats. So this would require independent redistricting. Okay. Um, okay. Our guest in this half hour is uh, Jonah Minkoff-Zern, who is co-director of uh, a voting rights project at uh, Public Citizen. Uh, we're going to continue our discussion uh, with uh, Jonah. After, uh, we're going to a brief message, though, uh, for our radio listeners. Uh, we'll stay with our TV listeners. And by the way, if you're a radio listener and you want to uh, watch the show, uh, watch it on Periscope TV at www.periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. Uh, you can also walk, watch on Facebook Live at www.tinyurl.com, BB Facebook Live. We'll be back after these messages with more on voting rights. Welcome back. Brad Bannon. Our guest in this half hour is Jonah Minkoff-Zern, who is co-director of Public, Public Citizens Democracy for the People campaign. Uh, Jonah, now I'd like to talk about uh, the uh, John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Act. Could you talk about uh, the uh, proposal? And I believe it has it passed the House already. 
it passed the House before it hasn't it hasn't moved yet this term, but it passed in 2018, and we're we're certain that it will pass in the House. Um, and really, a, you know, like the For the People Act, our challenge is getting this through the Senate and really addressing the filibuster to do it because we don't. I, there's not, a, especially with For the People Act, but likely with the Voting Rights Advancement Act. It's a difficult path to get to 60 senators in the Senate on these things, nor should we have to. Um, so the, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, we call the For the People Act the sword and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act is the shield. Um, so the, the Supreme Court shall be, Supreme, the, shall be ruling um, broke down um, barriers that were in place that stopped states from passing the type of laws that they're passing right now. Which many southern states are now taking advantage of. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's what's happening right now in these states like Florida and Texas and Georgia passing these blatant voter suppression laws aimed at voters of color. Before, they couldn't do that. Before the Shelby Supreme Court ruling, they couldn't do that because of the Voting Rights Act and its interpretation. So now those states don't have to prove that, they're, that they have a non-discriminatory intent so they can go out and do these things. And they don't have to show, uh, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, it's like taking down your umbrella in a rainstorm. She foresaw that if you, with the Shelby Supreme Court ruling, that states were going to pass discriminatory laws because the only thing that was shielding them was, was this intent. Um, and, and, and they have. So, we're, so right now we're working to, to pass the Voting Rights Advancement Act, um, which would make sure that a state like Florida or Texas has to sh has to prove that it's not intending on on discriminating against voters of color. Um, it would replace that shield that was taken down. Okay, uh, and you have a uh, day of action coming up on what May eighth, uh, uh, which is uh, Saturday, I guess, uh, for the John Lewis Act. Could you uh, talk about that? Sure. And it's actually a day of action that brings together all these things, the Voting Rights Advancement Act, the For the People Act, D.C. statehood and the filibuster. So we're, we're demanding voting rights and all these things are part of that. Um, so it's a nationwide day of action um, taking place in more than 140 cities already. And that number is growing. You know, every half hour, hour, more events are coming on the map right now. And that's that's increasing steadily. So John Lewis Day of Action dot org is the website. We are going to have votercades all over the country or motorcades where we're going to have uh, COVID safe press events and then people are going to get in their cars as a COVID safe way of, of demonstrating our support for these actions and, and to demand that the Senate acts um, and passes these. Um, and they're, they're being led by communities of color around the country. Um, everyone is absolutely encouraged to participate. And if there's not one near you to host, host one, no matter who you are. Uh, well, these are really exciting events in the fact that they really are, are being rooted in the civil rights community and led by the civil rights community groups like NAACP and National Action Network, Voto Latino, Mi Familia Vota, um, Asian Pacific Islander Vote. Like All of those organizations are part of the leadership on this effort. And it, it's really been an exciting just to plan it. And we're excited to see what happens on Saturday. Well, since it came up last week, uh, let me ask you a question about uh, D.C., uh, the District of Columbia. Uh, last week, uh, it has uh, recently passed the House of Representatives. Uh, the act, uh, well, first of all, tell us what the D.C. Voting Rights Act uh, would do. It's passed the House. Sure. So D.C. is a, has a population of over 600,000 people and doesn't have senators. Um, and it's, it's a prim primarily uh, voters of color, primary people of color, uh, a, a large part black voters who are being denied representation. 
Um, and uh, and the D.C. statehood would simply say these people deserve a voice and a vote um, and, and allow D.C. to become the 51st state. So it passed out of the House and, and we want to demand that the Senate takes action on it now and does what's right again and what's clearly right and gives gives these 600,000 people that be larger than other states, a larger population than states like Wyoming and, and Alaska to have a vote. Uh, you know, one of my least favorite moments uh, from Congress, I think happened last week, uh, what happened during the debate for D.C. statehood, a representative, a Republican representative from South Carolina stood up and said that D.C. doesn't have a large enough population uh, to justify uh, having a congressional district and standing right behind uh, this representative was Liz Cheney from Wyoming, whose population, as you said, is smaller than the districts. Uh, so uh, at least the Republicans uh, uh, can't, uh, at least could get their facts right. You know, let me ask you a, a general question, which bothers me. It must be frustrating to some extent. You, you've got these things you know, like D.C. statehood, uh, the For the People Act that have passed the House, uh, but having a rough goal. Isn't that incredibly you know, frustrating? I find it frustrating anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. But I think we can win. You know, I, I think we um, I, I think we're on the side of justice here. And and I think that it, the answer to the American people is clear uh, that these things are necessary and that these things are just, you know, as Martin Luther King said, the arc of the moral universe is long and it bends towards justice. And the attacks on voting rights that are taking place in these states right now, I think are just a sign that we're close, that we're getting there. And I think it's it's particularly a key moment where we have to fight to win them. Yeah, that goes back to the Gandhi quote you uh, talked about uh, early in the segment. Uh, by the way, that Martin Luther King quote is one of my favorite quotes. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think the arc of the universe is bending towards justice because, you know, some people are wondering, I mean, in some ways we seem to be going backwards. I mean, you know, we're several states are actively trying to deny uh, minority voters uh, the right to vote. Um, Asian Americans are being tacked on the street just simply because they're Asian. And, you know, you have all the right wings white supremacist groups floating around uh do you you know some i i believe in that king quote i use i've used it probably dozens of times on the show but sometimes i wonder how do you feel about that i think it's our moment i think that you know i think it's up to us here um and that we we have a power to make this moment a, a one of opportunity you know all these attacks i think are are a sign of a nation changing um, you know, Donald Trump, I think, hopefully will will be kind of a blip in history of a nation changing and moving oh, towards yeah. justice. Oh, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think we're we're in a position where we're, we have a nation that's that is no longer just run, um, you know, by by white men. You know, personally, you know, personally, that's fine with me. Uh, and I and I think it's time. You know, I think and I think that's scary to some people. Um, and I, and it, that that's what we're facing. Um, and I think the change is inevitable and that we're seeing that change. Jonah, 
I'm going to have to interrupt you. Uh, that's the end of the segment. But I want to thank Jonah Minkoff-Zern, who's co-director of Public Citizens Democracy uh, for the People Campaign. Uh, they're having a day of action, a votercade. Uh, so uh, check out the uh, public. What's the website, Jonah? John, John Lewis Day of Action Okay, thank you very much. Uh, That's it for this half hour of uh, Deadline DC, but we'll be back after this break with the provocative progressive political panel. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Deadline DC. For our provocative progressive political panel. Uh, But before we get to that, we're going to play a a clip from Joe Biden's uh, joint address to Congress last uh, Wednesday night. We've stared into the abyss of insurrection and autocracy, pandemic and pain, and we the people did not flinch. The very moment our adversaries were certain we'd pull apart and fail, we came together, reunited. With light and hope, we summoned a new strength, new resolve to position us to win the competition of the 21st century. On our way to a union more perfect, more prosperous, and more just, as one people, one nation, and one America. Folks, as I told every world leader I've ever met with over the years, It's never, ever, ever been a good bet to bet against America, and it still isn't. We're the United States of America. There's not a single thing, nothing, nothing beyond our capacity. We can do whatever we set our minds to if we do it together. So let's begin to get together. Okay, that, of course, was President Biden uh, when he spoke to a joint session of uh, Congress last week. Uh, This half hour of uh, Deadline DC is brought to you by my company, Bannon Communications Research, which polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions and Democrats. Last week was Joe Biden's big week. Wednesday, he gave an address, which you just heard part of, to a joint session of Congress. Thursday, the new president celebrated the 100th day of his presidency. The spotlight has been on President Biden, but don't forget to thank Senator Bernie Sanders for his contribution to the new president's success. The 46th president owes a great deal, a great debt of gratitude to the man who opposed him in the 2020 Democratic (laughs) presidential primaries. Bernie Sanders may have lost the presidential race to Biden, but the senator from Vermont won the battle for the hearts and soul of the Democratic Party. Sanders' progressive message was was for the urgent need to aggressively, progressively uh, address America's problems. Uh, In the early days of his presidency, Joe Biden has traveled on the the progressive path that Sanders blazed during his career in Congress and his two campaigns for president. You can read the rest of this column and all my columns for the Hill at muckrack.com front slash Brad Bannon. Now it's time for the provocative progressive political panel. Our guest panelist today, and you can see her there, is Tara Devlin, 
uh, New York City-based comedian and host of the unapologetically liberal podcast, Tara Buster. Tara Buster is 100%, 100%, 99% listener supported and five-star viewer reviewed. Help keep a real liberal media going and growing by becoming a, pet, a patron of Tara Buster at Patreon, uh, patreon.com front slash Brad Bannon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com front slash T-A-R-A-D-E-V-L-I-N. You can follow Tara on Twitter at Real Tara Devlin and on Instagram at T-A-R-A-D-A-C-K-T-Y. Joining, uh, <laughs> joining Tara on the panel uh, is progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi. Mark has worked on the campaigns of several Democratic presidential candidates, including Joe Biden. He's also active in campaign finance reform. And as you can see by looking at him, efforts to promote cancer research. His Twitter handle is Mark Grimaldi, Mark J. Grimaldi. Mark, tell the viewers uh, why you're bald today. So um, thank you, first of all, and it's nice to be with Tara again. Um, I uh, participate each year in an event called Bald for Bucks, which is through um, this really wonderful um, cancer hospital called Roswell Park uh, Cancer Institute. Um, and it's in Western New York, but actually people from all over the world travel to receive treatment there. And um, I started doing it uh, eight years ago. Um, annually, uh, in honor of my late mother who passed away, um, in 2000 at the age of 40 from breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And then, um, about eight years ago, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer and, um, has kind of battled back and forth with it, was in remission and, um, is receiving treatment again. But thankfully, um, you know, his prognosis is good thanks to the care that he received there. So I personally got involved, um, for my, you know, to honor my family members, but I've met, you know, a bunch of wonderful people throughout the years who have participated in the event. And um, I'm excited to say that um, this weekend when I finished the fundraiser, um, it's the eighth year in a row that uh, I've been able to uh, raise enough money to beat my previous record the year before. And this year, uh, thanks to everyone's generosity, we were able to raise um, just over uh, $5,500. So um, it's really a great event. And uh, it gives me a reason to finally get my first haircut post-vaccine uh, since pandemic, pretty much, which I was dying for. So this year I was a little uh, selfish about it uh, for the reasons as well, but uh, I'll take it. It was it was great to have everyone's support. So thanks for mentioning it, Brad. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's uh, talk about uh, Joe Biden's first 100 days. Uh, let me tell you what I think first, and I'll ask the panel. Um, I'm surprised. Um, I uh, always thought that this country under Donald Trump went real bad, went real low and real badly. Uh, I thought we needed a very aggressive uh, jump start to get this country going again. Uh, I had my doubts whether Joe Biden mm -hmm. would do it. Me too. Um, but in my opinion, he has done been a very aggressive. He's been very aggressive. He's been a bold 
president. I think he's trying to be a transformational president. And honestly, it surprised me. He's already passed uh, a gut Congress to approve a $2 trillion package for pandemic relief. Uh, and now there's an additional $5 trillion uh relief package on the table uh, for physical and human infrastructure. Uh, Tara, uh, what's your evaluation of uh, Joe Biden's first 100 days in office? Well, I'm with you. I feel I, I'm pretty much surprised by his uh, him channeling FDR, and I'm pleasantly surprised. It seems like yeah. he is... He he understands the moment, and uh, this moment doesn't call for the cutting of Medicaid, something that he would uh, he would go on talk shows and talk about for years. This is what concerned me in his uh, primary. That's why I was for Bernie personally. But if he's going to be the next FDR, I'll take it. Uh, and the fact that he put FDR's portrait up and he took down Andrew Johnson's. I mean, Andrew Jackson's portrait and put up FDR's portrait that that made me uh, it really touched my heart, I have to say, and gave me a lot of hope because if that's the president that he's trying to model, because this is this is the moment to do that. We need a new new deal. We need a progressive revolution. And 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 if it takes this conservative Democrat who was basically, he is a creature of Washington for his entire career. If it takes him to do that, um, I'm all for it. I, I am really behind everything he's doing. I, I wish he'd do more. I wish he would do, I mean, I hope, well, more will, you know, only, we're only in the first 100 days, but I hope he doesn't leave uh, Washington without a universal health care package. But one day at a time, he's, I think he's doing great frankly. Yeah, so far, so good. I've, you know, honestly, uh, I kind of expected the true $2 trillion pandemic relief package. But when I first saw that he was uh, proposing another five or $6 trillion in uh, physical and human infrastructure, I was shocked, to mm -hmm. put it plainly. Uh, so, uh, so far, so good. <laughs> uh, we're going to uh, continue this discussion about uh, Joe Biden's uh, first hundred days in office. And also, when we get back from the break, I want to talk about uh, how the GOP has performed or not performed uh, during the first 100 days of Joe Biden's presidency. <laughs> I agree with you, Tara. Uh, but we'll talk about it in more detail when we get back from break. <laughs> Uh, this is the Provocative Progressive Political Panel. Our guests on the panel today are Tara Devlin, the host of Tara Buster, and our own executive producer and progressive political activist, uh, Mark Romaldi. We'll be back uh, with more of Deadline DC uh, uh, right after these messages. So don't go anywhere. If you are radio listeners, we'll be back to you in a couple of minutes. If you're TV viewers, we'll be right, right back to you. So don't go anywhere. This is Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Okay, welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. 
Our guest on the provocative progressive political panel today are Tara Devlin, the host of Terror Buster, uh, and our own executive producer and progressive political activist, Mark Grimaldi. Uh, Mark, uh, Tara just told us uh, what she thought of the Republican Party's response to Joe Biden's first 100 days. Uh, do you want to weigh in? Yeah, I think Tara makes a good point about the redundancy of their positions. And the, the thing is, I'm sure, you know, we would agree, too, that that doesn't make them any less dangerous. Um, right. And the, the problem is they have power in a lot of state houses, as we're seeing in places like Georgia and Texas and Florida. And your previous guest from the first half hour from Public Citizen, Brad, Jonah Minkoff-Zern, had brought up the fact that there's been over 360 voter suppression bills introduced around the country. And the problem is if they can't win fairly, they're going to try to cheat through these voter suppression bills or redistricting or hoping that they can kick any sort of, um, you know, lawsuit to the Supreme court and just hope that the Supreme court with its six to three conservative majority with, you know, two, uh, or three, I, so many Trump Supreme court justices that I have nightmares about. Um, it's, it concerns me greatly. Um, that said, I've been impressed with the way that president Biden has met the moment. And I think when I read about, after the first like week, they just barnstormed the, the White House basically with all their plans and um, legislative proposals. And they they truly hit the ground running. And I also think that President Biden learned from the Obama years yep. of don't waste your time with trying to work with Republicans for too long. Make, yep. those, make an attempt. But when it's clear they're not going to work with you, don't let them drag things along act boldly and put forth proposals that you know are good for the American people. And finally, um, it does look like moderates are coming around and after seeing how bad things can get when you have the Republicans in power <clears throat> under the Trump administration, the alternative of investing in you know, the middle class, of course, seems much more appealing. And the, you brought up a good point. The attacks on President Biden don't seem to be sticking. And I think that makes his message that much clearer when it's not, you know, being drowned out by the noise of what the Republicans are trying to put through their echo chamber. Um, they are resorting to their old ways of trying to divide and conquer. Look what they're yep. doing to trans youth around the country oh, yep. with these bills like the one that passed in Arkansas, where a child's parents can't even get them um, the gender care that they need because it's been over. They overrode the governor's veto. That's how many people in mm. Arkansas want this, this, this hate against trans children. And that's what they're using to try to make people whipped up into a rage to vote against, you know, the president or Democrats. Um, and, and it's just, it's as low as they can go, they will go. It's been proven yep. Yep. January 6th. So I think we need to, to continue on, the president needs to continue on, to continue to act boldly and to do what's in the best interest of the American people. And and I personally have also been very pleasantly surprised. These are the things that, you know, when I initially uh, started the primary season and was in support of Elizabeth Warren and then Bernie Sanders, um, by the time I ended up supporting Joe Biden, I still was excited about his candidacy, but 
I mean, this has exceeded my expectations yeah. in pretty much every category. So I hope it continues this way. Right. Yeah, right. I uh, think that uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, Joe Biden uh, learned some things while he was Barack Obama's vice president. Um, I think one of the things he learned is that uh, Barack Obama, uh, in order to try to get Republican support, really downsized his initial economic uh, recovery mm -hmm. package. Uh, and it was not big enough to give a big jolt to the economy. I think it eventually worked, but uh, certainly not in the first two years of his presidency. I think Biden right. decided the only way to get through this and to bring this country back uh, was to, uh, you know, be bold, uh, really give the economy a really, really, really big jolt. Uh, and, uh, you know, my theory is if Joe Biden, if the pandemic recedes and the economy recovers, uh, Joe Biden and Democrats will be in good shape, uh, uh, going into the midterm elections, uh, next year. Now you brought up the trans, uh, issue, Mark, uh, it's pretty clear from that and some other things that. The Republicans are trying to counter Biden by fighting the culture wars. Yep. They're talking, you know, homophobic. Uh, they're race baiting. Uh, they're doing all, uh, you know, uh, the uh, constant complaints about uh, the, the Im immigration. They're trying to fight the culture war, which, you know, and you can make a pretty oh. good argument. It worked for them in 2016. Uh, Tara, do you think it will work again in 2022? Uh, it definitely works with a certain segment of the population, but that the fact is there are more of us than there are of them, and that's why they have to play all their dirty tricks against voting and run the, the, the attacks on the targeted minority group du jour, which is now it's trans people, and it's disgusting. And it was it, in Joe Biden's speech when he said— to the, to the trans community, your president has your back. That, that almost brought me to tears. This is what we need. We, that's how you unify a country. You don't target people. You don't stick your big Republican government noses into family business and tell them what they can and cannot do to save their children's lives. I mean, this Amen. is what we're talking about. Anything that, uh, that the Republican... The, the, the Republicans, they, they never bring light into a situation. They always bring confusion. If there's uh, questions or people are, especially the trans community, that's, it's, it doesn't work anymore on the LGBT, I mean, well, the LGP community, not the T community, you know what I mean? The, uh, they, the, they targeted gays for a long time, but that doesn't have the same bang for no, its it buck. Does. So they now they're after trans because there's a people have a lot of misinformation. If they are leaders, they should they should lead and they should uh, illuminate the situation and not bring people uh, not not put somebody into uh, in in danger. This it's so disgusting what they do, and but but it does appeal to certain segments of the society uh, i guess and this i mean if you listen to my show i we, we i really believe that there's something fundamentally 
morally wrong with uh, the Republicans. And give me yep. 10 minutes with any any one of them. I'll get to the bottom of it. Just if they were honest, there's either they 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 have issues that nobody has to walks around with so much hate against different groups with uh, and that and but the Republicans, this is why you will never find a Republican or t- encouraging their constituents to evolve, you know, to open their minds. And never, never. They, it's, they it give them permission to be small and to, uh, to hang on to their hate like a, like a baby hanging on to a blanket or something. It's, uh, it's very sick. And this is what you get. I mean, look at their standard bearer, a traitor, an outright insurrectionist traitor, a liar. And, th- and like Mark said, it's dangerous. They are dangerous. We're in a really precarious moment. It's probably good that Joe Biden is in there because he, he does seem to understand that, too, that he's not he's not trying to get bipartisan with Mitch McConnell. He's he's bringing it to the people. I, I appreciated that the the way that he frames his bipartisanship with the American people. The it's not about you know pleasing Mitch McConnell. The the Republicans really are. Uh, they need to go the way of the Whigs yes. fast. Amen. They really yeah, do. not uh, fast enough for me. Uh, I think it's worth uh, you know. I looked at a lot of the polls that came out last week on Biden's first 100 days. He gets extraordinarily good marks on fighting the pandemic. He gets good marks on fighting the economy, uh, but he gets real lousy mm-hmm. marks on uh, immigration. And that's uh, clearly what right. Republicans uh, have chosen to beat him up oh, on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, all we have for Deadline DC with Brad oh. Bannon today. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank my guest uh, in the first half hour from Public Citizen, Jonah Minkoff-Zern. And in this half hour, the provocative progressive political panel, we had Tara Devlin, the host of Terror Buster, and our own executive producer and progressive political activist, Mark Grimaldi. Uh, Be safe and be strong in these troubled times and make sure you turn in to deadline tune back into deadline DC next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time or listen to the podcast anytime at periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. Uh, and remember Leslie will be back tomorrow. So make sure you watch and listen to her. We saved big money with our progressive home and auto bundle and used the cash to take a family vacation. To Hawaii. Who's up for a luau? Yeah. This is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big money with Progressive, but not enough to go to Hawaii. They'll probably use it for things like the mortgage and groceries, or even a travel magazine, so at least they can see pictures of Hawaii. Aloha! (laughs) Yes, say hello to those beautiful Hawaiian beaches in that magazine. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. DoorDash is excited to be the official on-demand delivery platform of the Detroit Pistons, offering fans fast and flexible ways to earn. With DoorDash, you can choose your own hours, make your own schedule, and be your own boss. It's a win-win-win. Sign up and deliver in Detroit before the regular season is over, and you could win a new car. Get started at Pistons.com slash dash. That's Pistons.com slash dash. No purchase necessary. Michigan residents 18 and up only. It's 517-21. Rules? Visit Pistons.com slash dash.